Hello, um, we are back with our podcast. I am Wally Brown, and today I'm here with Brianna Orr, a first-year MERP student focusing in transportation. Hello, Brianna. Hello. Thanks for having me. Hey. So, um, the format for this podcast is we talk to students from either urban planning or public health or practitioners and speak about the overlap between the disciplines. We ask them a series of questions and get their responses. Okay. So, we're going to get into our first question. Brianna, how does public participation inform your studies as a MERP student? Yeah, absolutely. I'm one of the reasons that I was excited to come to Portland State is the focus on public participation and community engagement here. Um, I think that's a really important skill um, that I wanted to, to take away uh, to, um, you know, the, the career as a whole. Um, and I think that when I think about public participation, I, I think back about how I first got involved in, in transportation, and it really was through open, participating in open houses, participating on a advisory committee, um, you know, having those opportunities to get engaged in city planning, even as a volunteer um, or as a community member. And I think that that can be really empowering to all community members. And I think it's really valuable um, for practitioners to have that information and have, um, you know, lots of perspectives that they're making, uh, basing their decisions off of. Um, So in uh, Professor Gebhardt's uh, uh, planning dynamics, we've been talking about uh, public participation and some of the ethics around public participation. That has been really, I think it's challenged my thinking around it, and, um, and I'm really excited to kind of dig more into it in, in further MERP classes. That's great. And I'll ask a quick follow-up. Yeah. What are, like... From your experiences and from what you've studied so far, what does public participation look like? I think it can look like a lot of different things. Um, I think all the way from, you know, being baseline informed about what's happening in the city to um, having ownership of or having decision-making power as a community member about what's happening in, in your city. Um, you know, or, or leading that effort in your city as a community member. Um, so I think of the notice in the mail I got several months ago about construction happening down the block from where I live um, as part of public participation. It's just letting me know what's happening. Um, but then I also think about how, you know, for, um, like, poor uh Portland Bureau of Transportation has this event called Parking Day, where they allow community members to uh, take over a parking spot and turn it into a park for a day. And so that's something that is engaging the community and giving them the the ownership of creating their own little mini event um, and kind of redesigning the city, even if it's just for one day. So um, I think it looks like a lot of different things, and I, I think it can, I find it slightly overwhelming because there's such a variety 
of methods of engaging the public and um, there may not it may not always be obvious which is the right method all the time yeah, yeah. and that's why we take planning exactly methods. that's why I'm in school <laughs> <laughs> okay so we're gonna go to question number two um, do you see outreach and communications as different skill sets I do I so um, before I came to grad school, I worked for a nonprofit in Seattle called the Cascade Bicycle Club, and I um, the Cascade Besco Club Bicycle Club. Oh, bicycle. Cas- okay, Bicycle Club. So it was a bicycle advocacy um, and event organization, um, and I was I did communications uh, for that organization. Um, so, in a lot of ways, what I was doing was. Um, marketing our organization, furthering some of our goals, be it um, getting more, you know, signups for an event or uh, fundraising, uh, meeting our fundraising goals or, um, you know, making sure that uh, the community knew that we were an organization, I think, at a baseline level. There's communications and marketing. When I think of those things, it's um, it's really to... Uh, I guess it's more about like that. I think of I think of it more as marketing, um, and and less about um, uh, outreach. Um, I think I think outreach, and I think I think maybe I'd use even a different word of engagement. I think takes that a step further um, to both you know again let the public know what's what might be coming or what might be happening in the city, but then engagement's more of that two way. Um, street that two way I'm asking you a question you're answering or um, you're providing feedback um, on something that's happening right now so I think that I I do think of them as very very different and I guess as I'm talking through it I do see communications and um, and outreach really as one way and um, engagement as two ways with that Mm-hmm. I have a question for yeah. you. So basically, how would you define, like, I guess, like, do do the lines between engagement and marketing get blurred in today's modern society when private companies take user data to target, like, ads towards users based on their mm-hmm. habits and activities? That's a really question. <laughs> I'm not sure how to address it. Um, is it blurred? I think it's still marketing at that level. You're marketing your service or your product to somebody. Um, and I know that in the marketing world, the word engagement means something very different, that you mm-hmm. have an engaged customer base or that your customers are, you know, maybe potentially, um, uh, creating their own content that supports your marketing goals, right? So we have that kind of on, on the marketing communication side of engagement. But I think for, when I think of it for planning and transportation, I think of it as um, as as not selling a service or, yeah. you know, selling your product. It's about having a dialogue about the project or the program that you're implementing. That sounds good. Wow. That's cool. Okay. We're going to go into question 
number three, and then we'll take a quick break. Great. So, um, how do you, how do you as a student and as a previous like professional operating mm-hmm. at U of O, how do you balance public engagement with uh, policy and implementation? Yeah, um, I think that there's a couple embedded in there. There's a couple different questions around, like, uh, how do you balance your time? Yeah. Um, and maybe what is your, what's your role in the organization? I think that um, I know some organizations and agencies have dedicated, you know, public participation, dedicated community engagement people. Um, so I guess part of that is 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 a future role for me in that dedicated public engagement, or will I be more of a generalist and doing both policy policy development and implementation and public engagement? Um, so I think that it's hard to know uh, how I how I might balance all those things in the future, but um, but I do think that they all require a lot of dedication and time and I think they're really intricately linked um, I think the development of policy really shouldn't happen without that community engagement and public participation like that should be informing our policies for this you know um, for any agency or organization and then um, on the implementation side I think drawing from those policies to implement um, it certainly still requires public engagement to get to make sure you're getting those details right, right. I think the the policy is big picture, and then when you're implementing a program or a plan or a design, um, you know, engaging the community on, on those finer details is still important. Um, and knowing that you had hopefully a lot of great public participation in developing your policies, and those are really grounding, hopefully, all of your implementation. That sounds good. So another of a follow-up question okay. before our break. Okay. So let's say, like, a government agency puts out a 10-year plan mm-hmm. for a neighborhood, and the demographics within the neighborhood or the population changes, like, every five years. This like, the fluctuation of, like, renters and homeowners. Like, how do you, how do you maintain... Okay, so how do you balance, like, public engagement and having our policies be flexible to the needs and wants of the public and long-term planning which requires a certain amount of continuity and stability which can innately mean inflexibility yeah that's a really good question i I'll be frank, I don't think I have a lot of, I I haven't done a lot of study around long-range planning, and I haven't, um, before I came to school, did not have any experience in long-range planning, so that sounds like the crux of of long-range planning's, like, challenges, right, is is setting, um, setting a course and allowing some flexibility or variability of, of how you, how you adjust, um, I mean, I imagine that setting that vision and goals for for a city um, is a long process already. So to again, I guess how how often do you update that that vision and goal? I'm not sure. Um, 
but your question's a good one, and I think that we should be thinking about it. Um, uh, and I think it does, I mean, I think that's why, even though we have so much participation at that larger visioning scale level, um, we also do, or you know, at least we're taught to do, public engagement on each project and program. Um, to, and then maybe that's, that's how you um, adjust course adjust through uh, actually the implementation of your 10-year plan. That sounds good. So like basically having the plan, then each step of like the implementation of like different parts of the plan engaged with the public. Right. Yeah, I think so. Thank you. Would you use rings for engagement? Would I use rings? Yeah. Like engagement rings. <laughs> We're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back. <laughs> Alright, hello, we are back with Brianna Orr, first year MERP at Portland State University in the Masters of Urban and Regional Planning program. And she's focusing her studies in transportation. Hello, Brianna. Hello. Hey. Okay, so we're going to we're going to just get right back into it. We're going to ask uh, the next question. Do you consider public health related to your field of study? If so, how or why? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so my focus is transportation and even more so on active transportation. So um, really interested in walking and biking and uh, transit and, uh, you know, encouraging those modes um, as much as possible. So um, at the basis, what I'm trying to do in my career is uh, incentivize, inspire, um make people feel comfortable to go outside and move their body yeah. <laughs> to, to get somewhere. So yeah. that's what I'm asking them to do. Um, and so in, inherently, I think that's public health, um, right? Like we know that if people get daily exercise, there's so many health benefits. Um, so while I'm not I'm not studying public health or studying, I don't have any any medical background <laughs> whatsoever. Um, I do think it's really related, and I think especially around when we think about like behavior change and kind of a psychology around behavior change, how, um, how we as human beings form habits and how those habits tend to, you know, shape the way we move through the world, um, especially related to transportation. I think that the the mode that you use the most often is kind of your, that's your go-to. And if you had to change, uh, or if you wanted to take a different mode, it takes more effort for you to take that different mode. No matter what it is, even if I'm normally walking and I want to start biking, it takes effort for me to, to start biking. Um, of course, what I've, I'm, interested in focusing on a lot and a lot of our transportation folks are focusing on is how do we get um how do we encourage more people to stop driving alone to work or to school or to where wherever you're trying to go um how do we encourage them to walk bike take transit 
um, things like that. So, um, so yeah. That sounds good. Mm -hmm. I think bankers may be the toughest sell for you. <laughs> Why is that? Because they like driving alone. They give out loans. <laughs> All right, so we're going to get into the next question. Uh, what would you consider the two most closely related disciplines to your field? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think that um, maybe it's cheating to say civil engineering because uh, I feel like it is already part of, um, I mean, even if it's not part of the urban uh, and regional studies program here mm -hmm. it, it it's very much I feel like a sister program yeah. um, and and we can't do transportation planning without civil engineers to actually you know design and 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 move construction forward yeah. um, so that's certainly one that's interrelated and I think I think you're right the other one is is that I think of was public health um, and kind of the the behavior and psychology and sociology of, of behavior change. That sounds great. Even uh, kind of like dissecting like the civil engineering piece, mm -hmm. would you say like that that, uh, that that discipline involves both like the theoretical, the people who draw the plans and the people on the ground who are like the mechanics? That's... If I, if I was in civil engineering, maybe I'd know the answer to that question. I think of it more as the folks who are drawing up the plans and, and have that, uh, you know, physics, mathematical background to know if, uh, you know, what slope uh, road needs to be so that rain drains off of it. Yeah. Um, very important in a place like Portland. Um, yeah. Or, you know, what slope does a ramp need to be so that somebody using a wheelchair can get up it. I think those are the kinds of questions that um, uh, civil engineers need to, need to know and need to know how to solve, um, you know, given yeah. all the space constraints that we have in our city. That makes sense. Cool. So I want to ask one last question. Okay. Where do, where do like, the trades fit into this? Like, hmm. the mechanics and, like, the... Yeah, the people on the ground who like mm -hmm. when a, when there's a crowd hole, they fill it. Right. Where do you where do you see them fitting into this puzzle? Um, I mean, you're you're right. They're the folks that are doing the work that are um, you know out in building streets, building light rail, making sure that the max is running. Um, I mean, huge huge important part of of running a transportation system. Absolutely. Um, but what it takes to do that, I don't. I actually don't know. I mean, I think that, or or the interrelatedness of of urban planning and and the trades, I think, is a, a good question and something that I I honestly haven't thought about and I haven't studied yet here at um, at Portland State. Yeah, we talked about it in econ a little bit. Oh, okay, I haven't taken econ yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm on a I'm on a three year track. Yeah. yeah. All right. I'm right there with you. I'm <laughs> Next fall, I'll, yeah, I'll be I'll be taking it in the fall. We'll take it together. All right. Okay. So let's get into question number six. Do you consider interdisciplinary approaches necessary or at least desirable to practitioners in the field of urban planning? Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, urban planning has is. It's like an umbrella field, I feel like. I mean, yeah. we, it's, um, I think to not 
if you didn't know about public engagement and communications and a little bit about behavioral science and a little bit about civil engineering and a little bit about um, environmental studies, um, I think I think the field really asks um, practitioners to be generalists um, and to know at least a little bit about um, a lot of topics so that you can facilitate and, and kind of anticipate needs that, that will be arising. Um, so yeah, I think, it's, I think it's hugely important. I think if we didn't have at least some interdisciplinary knowledge, then we would, um, I think we would end up with cities that, that, you know, maybe meet one goal, but don't meet other goals. I mean, we're yeah. sacrificing, you know, like we build a road that, you know, maybe meets, I don't know, standards around how fast traffic needs to flow through that street. Yeah. But if we don't think about what the impacts are to the adjacent homes or the adjacent neighborhood, um, public or, you know, the health impacts of, you know, carbon dioxide or the, you know, climate change impacts of, of all those things, I think that, that we really lose sight of what we need to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So I'm wondering, like, do you think urban planning is, like, even more of an umbrella term in, like, the Northwest since it's always raining? (laughs) (laughs) So what do you think can be done at the training stages of the field to build, uh, to help build solid interdisciplinary foundations for emerging planners? Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that, I think the MERP program does this really well where we're, um, you know, drawing from different disciplines within the school and also encouraged to, you know, to do a dual degree program with, you know, public health or civil engineering or public administration or, you know, that I think that's something that um, Portland State's really supportive of. So that's one thing that um, is, is great. And then I think the other thing that... Um, we should continue doing is just uh, I think in school it's easy to get into your own track and your own focus and surround yourself with like I surround myself with people who are also interested in transportation Um, but I think it's also really important for us to continue to have you know classes where we have transportation real estate public health environmental study like having those um, perspectives all in one room, studying one thing. I think we gain a lot through the dialogues that we get to have because um, we all are bringing very different background knowledge to it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. With that, we're going to get into our final question. How do you measure outcomes within the field of planning in terms of project analysis and public engagement? So I'll take project analysis first, okay. program evaluation. I think that, um, so I'm, I love doing evaluation, I'm not going to lie. Like I love looking at how, you know, what activity did we do, we being whatever organization or agency, um, and was it successful, um, you know, did all, what did those, what did all those efforts add up to? Um, I kind of love doing that. Um, so back to the question, how do we measure it? I think that oftentimes we measure 
um, when I think about measuring like the impact of a project or a program, I think about you know numbers like number of people served, number of people impacted, um, number of people engaged. Uh, I think about that a lot, but I also think about um, you know the what would, what did the program or project set out to do from the beginning and and to to evaluate it, you have to know what you were what you were trying to do, right? Yeah. And if you didn't have strong goals or strong um, objectives at the beginning, it's it's going to be a lot harder to measure and evaluate. Um, but I think you know overall we should be evaluating our our transportation projects on the big you know big goals that we have. Um, so I know for our city of Portland, some of the big goals include you know, reducing pollution, um, you know, increasing equity, um, uh, you know, reducing the number of cars on the road or number of car trips that people need to take, um, and lots and lots of other goals like that. Um, so in evaluating, I think we need to go back to see how we did there. Did we serve um, the community more equitably than we have in the past? Did we reduce, you know, CO2 emissions? Did we, um, in my field, did we change behavior? Did we see more people walk, bike, um, you know, use active transportation? That's really good. I have a final follow-up for you. Okay. Yes, as always. As always. So basically, let's see. Let's say your goal is to change behaviors mm-hmm. over time. Yeah. For the population of a city. Yeah. If there is an increase in, let's say there's an increase in pedestrians over time, mm-hmm. like in a five-year period, let's say, but there is also like a spike in like people coming to Portland, like basically when it comes to like metrics, how do you, and specifically metrics of changing behaviors, like mm-hmm. how do you kind of measure like how much was you and how much was external and like how much does that really how much does that matter if the goal is just to get more people walking yeah i think that's tricky um i mean absolutely we should be measuring based on um you know are we i think your question gets at is the population increasing at the same time that a certain behavior is increasing so thinking about the behavior as a ratio of the population. Um, yeah. You know, 20% of people walk daily. If, uh, if that number is, you know, we say 50,000 people walk daily and the number increases to 100,000 people walk daily, is that just because we had more people or is that because people started walking more? Yeah. I think is what you're saying. So I think that's really important to just think about what's the... I think that's why percentages are really important for all this, so that you get you capture that um, once your population. But um, I think your other question around how do we know what impacted them is really hard, really hard. And um, yeah, I think that it's uh, I don't know that you'll ever know, but I think that I think what's important is that. The overall number so if we you know through the American Community Survey or through the census um, know that our relative percentage of people driving alone to work is decreasing over time 
um, then I think something something in there that we're doing is probably working. Um, and there also could be a whole you know host of other factors that are influencing people's travel. Um, you know, in was it two thousand six, seven, eight? I remember gas prices skyrocketed. Like mm-hmm. we had gas prices over four dollars a gallon, um, and biking surprisingly went up. <laughs> People started biking more. Um, so I think knowing some of those factors, and I guess part of it is is understanding what larger factors are at play for your city. Yeah. Um, understanding what other um, you know, kind of price and financial choices people are making um, and understanding what, I think, like, time choices people are making, right? Like, transportation especially is more of a, like, a derived outcome. You're not, you don't often get in your car just for fun. You're trying to go somewhere. Um, yeah. Same with getting on the bus, right? I know a few folks who maybe do take the take the bus for fun, yeah. just just to get normal. out of their house. But it's yeah. not normal. So most people are taking transportation to get somewhere. Yeah. Um, so I guess understanding all those things that affect it, um, you know, congestion, how long it takes, the weather, um, you know, the pricing of it, all of that um, is really important. And I don't know that we will ever be certain that this program or this project. Um, was the reason that we changed behavior. I think it's a lot of little things um, yeah. over time. Yeah. How much do you think, thank you for that, okay. do you think it like, in the small scheme of things, do you think it really matters to, is it more important that we're trying than like we know the impact? Mm-hmm. Like I, I think it is, yeah, I know what you're saying. I mean, I think it is, it's important that we know the impact, and I think it's important that we keep in mind that we may not know, you know, we may not know the real impact, like the real long-term impact. Um, I think about, as just an example, like Portland's Sunday Parkways. You know, we um, Portland closes uh, streets op- for cars and open streets for people, uh, you know, throughout the city, multiple times throughout the year. Um, I think the impact of those events, uh, you know, drawing people to a safe space to walk or bike or just hang out with their family, um, it's really hard to know what impact that has on someone's life, like on someone's travel behavior long term. But I think every, you know, every time that you are exposed to something um and that's a public health term right like exposure i think if we thought about um if we thought about active transportation in the in terms of exposure like at some point does a certain amount of exposure change your behavior right like if you get um asked by a friend to go for a bike ride and then you go to Sunday Parkways, and then you, um, you know, grab a bike town one day and take it for a ride. Um, if you just kind of keep getting exposed to this activity, does at some point it become habit? Yeah. I guess that um, 
that's maybe one way to think about it and probably why it's so hard to think about like all of all of the efforts um, yeah. on a massive scale and what is the impact of what's the impact of this one program and what's the impact of this one program as part of you know a bigger thing that we're we're working towards yeah I don't know that's all I got <laughs> I think that's really cool because <laughs> I think yeah it's cool because seeing like even like having like population like even like on like a global scale mm-hmm. it's like Portland and Japan have a really good relationship so like there's a lot of flights between them right so then there's like direct lines to Japan maybe cheaper tickets so maybe mm-hmm. it's easier for people to go to Japan from Portland maybe people come to Portland from other parts in the US because they right. want to go to Japan right. yeah yeah absolutely they move here so that they can go to Japan easier yeah, and yeah. I'm thinking about like Portland constantly marketing itself as like a walkable city. Mm-hmm. Does that kind of bring in like a selection bias, like where people who want to walk come to Portland because I want to walk, and then yeah, surprise, more people are walking. Yeah, I mean, I chose to live in Portland um, because it was I was looking for a place in the Pacific Northwest that I can live in and not own a car, and yeah. that's one of that's one of my top kind of choices around where I'm going to live. Um, Portland absolutely fits that bill for me and um, there's lots of other places that do too uh, in the northwest but um, I think Portland's done a really good job around that I think so too I have a question for you Okay. have you heard of the new way that Peabot is measuring bicycle behavior or biking behavior Is is this a joke (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for the punchline. Um, have I heard of the new way? Yes. No. Before I guess did. I don't know what the new way is. They used to do it like behaviorally, mm-hmm. and now they're they're seeing like that the activity goes up in cycles. Mm-hmm. So they're doing it by cycle. So they're measuring oh. bicycles by cycle. It's very that is the fun thank you so much Brianna <laughs> <Thanks, Holly. laughs> yes always a pleasure yeah super fun yes thank you